Hey, Cliff Ravenscraft here, and I wanted to share with you a new episode of Cliff's Notes on Profitable Coaching. I'm recording this on Wednesday, January 6th, 2020, and just about four weeks ago, I was introduced to a brand new social media platform called Clubhouse. Now, depending on when you are listening to this, you might be thinking, gosh, Cliff, Clubhouse has been around forever, or gosh, Cliff, that was a flash in the pants. It was here for three months, and then it went away. Well, I will tell you what, I don't know what the longevity of Clubhouse is, but my suspicion is it's the next biggest thing since Twitter, in my opinion. But anyway, I'm not going to go into detail about what Clubhouse is here in this platform. The focus of this is how to build a profitable coaching practice, a profitable coaching career for yourself. Now, today is not about a strategy of how to land clients, but if you are a coach, my question to you is if you are looking to help others experience transformation in their lives, if you want to help encourage people to break free from anything that's holding them back from living the life that they're created to live, if you want to have a powerful coaching impact and influence in the lives of others, I have to ask you one question. Have you ever looked into hypnosis? Have you ever looked into hypnotism, hypnotherapy? Well, if you have not, or if you have and you don't know a whole lot about it, this episode is for you. I had connected with Lori Hammond, who is a hypnotist, and as soon as I saw that she was a hypnotist, I'm like, I've, I want to connect with her. I have personally studied hypnotism in the year 2019 and late 2018, just a little bit. When I say just a little bit, probably about 40 or 50 hours worth of study, but just enough to be dangerous, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing, what I'm not doing. That's not true. I'm, I'm being a little facetious. But the reality is, is that she has a lot more experience and expertise in the area of hypnotherapy than I do. And so I'm like, I wonder if we could get around and, and, and have a conversation. And then she introduced me to Chris Thompson, somebody who is already a part of my community, but I didn't know that he was connected in this world of hypnotherapy and hypnotism and all this other stuff as well. And so I invited him to join Lori and I on a clubhouse room. And then, of course, he brought in the big guns, Mike Mandel, who is very well known in the hypnotist, hypnotism, hypnotherapy uh, movement. And so, uh, just a panel discussion with three heavy hitters in this area. And this is just basically going to be an introdu- introduction to the idea, maybe a suggestion to check out, if you will. The What is hypnotism? Can you break free from some of maybe your preconceived ideas? about hypnosis, hypnotism, hypnotherapy, and is it possible that you could be a more profound and powerful coach if you learn some of the techniques and strategies behind what it is and how it can be useful in helping people overcome limiting beliefs and create suggestions in their lives for how, well, basically help people create the lives that they desire to live, that they can give themselves not only permission, but also the instructions necessary for how to achieve what it is they want to achieve in life. So, if that sounds interesting to you, I encourage you to listen to this conversation. Welcome, everybody. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. I'm not going to tell you too much about me, uh, but I am going to introduce uh, Lori Hammond. She is a coach and mentor. She helps people go from anxiety to confidence, from depression to joy, and uh, she helps people silence the imposter monster. She also is a relatively new podcaster. I just saw that she's got about 20 podcast episodes online, uh, and you can check out her podcast at Silence 
the imposter monster in your favorite podcast directory. We've got Chris Thomas Thompson, who is a C, is the CEO and co-founder at Mike Mandel Hypnosis. He's a world-class online hypnosis and personal development trainer. He also has a podcast that he does with Mike Mandel, it looks like, uh, called Brain Software. And I noticed that there's currently 166 episodes of that show. And so we've got Chris on here. We also have Mike Mandel himself. Uh, and I'm going to let Chris do the honor of introducing Mike since I have just been introduced him to him myself. Okay, my pleasure to introduce my best friend and business partner, Mike Mandel. So Mike is to me, the guy who has taught me so much of almost everything I know about personal development, hypnosis, neurolinguistic programming. And this is the guy, he's probably the only person I've ever met that brings to the table with hypnotherapy and hypnosis training, a real combination of the entertainment, the comedy, the immense encyclopedic knowledge and the experience at doing hypnosis since he's he's been a stage hypnotist since he was about 21 years old and just hung up his hat a few years ago and has done probably 5,000 performances, forensic hypnosis for the police, therapeutic hypnosis for a lot of different people around the world. And of course, he is the, the guy behind the Mike Mandel Hypnosis Academy, which I helped build starting back in 2013. So He's a rock star in this space. Awesome. Thank you so much for introducing Mike in such a powerful way. Before I get started with the, with the purpose of why I invited all of you guys here, uh, which is kind of selfish because I want to learn more about hypnosis for myself as a professional uh, transformational coach. Uh, but before we begin with what I have in mind for this conversation, Mike, I'm going to ask you to unmute yourself, introduce how you got involved in, in into the world of hip, hip, hypnosis, hypnotherapy. Tell us about your early origin into this in about uh, two minutes or less, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Um, it goes back to 1965. Way back in 1965, I was 12 years old. We had come to Canada from England, and my father thought I was watching too much television. And he said, any book I wanted, I could have. And the book I saw was The Key to Hypnotism by Walter Gibson. I devoured it, went next door and found two kids, friends of mine, Wayne Gibson, his younger brother, Max. Wayne was probably 10. I said I was 12. And I successfully hypnotized Wayne, but not Max. I got Wayne into a trance, made his hand cataleptic and stuck uh, safety pin through his fingers, <laughs> bled extraordinarily, but he didn't mind. He was able to look at them with no problem. And um, his mother didn't like me doing that. I was forced to cease and desist, but the bug bit. And uh, I got a job working in an office in Toronto. I kept studying hypnosis in my spare time. Then January 29th, 1975, made the plunge, quit my job and began full-time hypnosis and uh, covered pretty well all aspect of entertainment hypnosis and forensic hypnosis and so on, as Chris said, and my joy now is teaching it to other people so they can replicate excellence as well. Awesome. And then, Lori, would you mind doing the same? Unmute yourself and give a little bit of introduction how you were introduced to this world of hypnosis uh, in about two minutes or less. Thank you, Cliff. Coincidentally, I was introduced to hypnosis by Mike Mandel and Chris Thompson, uh, I was searching for answers. I was very, very frustrated with my lifelong battle with my weight. I had been up and down yo-yo dieting my entire life, always either rapidly gaining or starving myself. And I knew that I needed some help. I, 
I knew that I couldn't figure this out on my own after having tried every diet pill and potion out there. So I started investigating hypnosis and I love podcasts. So I just searched hypnosis on the podcast platform and I found Brain Software with Mike and Chris. And they talked about this seemingly magical, transformative way of helping people. And I remember I would talk to the radio and and be like, no way, no way, It it does not work like that. It can't be that easy. And I think one of the hardest parts of hypnosis, of helping people with hypnosis is convincing them how simple it can be and having people accept the simplicity of these tools. And I think the reason that it seems so much like magic is because it is so effective and it works so rapidly in many cases. So I just want to give a shout out to Mike and Chris and tell you both, you know, but I am so stinking grateful for you men. I'm so happy that I stumbled on that podcast. And um, anyone listening, if you are looking for the best hypnosis training in the industry, go to Mike Mandel's um, Mike Mandel Hypnosis Academy. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lori. And Chris, uh, again, just go ahead and take just a moment to talk about when were you first introduced to hypnosis? How did it happen? Okay, so I was introduced to hypnosis formally when I saw Mike Mandel performing on stage when I was a first-year engineering student in Ottawa, Canada. And I, I had heard of hypnosis before, and even I remember having conversations with my father who had an interest earlier on, that we knew it was something cool. And I always thought, oh, that would be great to learn. But I never got to see it until Mike was standing there on stage and performing and this show was just mind-blowing to me. The, the quick version of what I always remember is he had this one kid who thought that he was on a planet that was about to explode and Scotty wouldn't beam him back up to the Starship Enterprise because he was on a coffee break. And when I saw the emotional response in that kid, when he went through the, oh my goodness, I think this planet's going to blow up to, ooh, I'm safe again. That change of emotion, I realized that cannot happen consciously. He could not possibly act that well. And I realized it was real. I and mean, the bug had bitten at that point. One year later, Mike came back, but not only to do a stage hypnosis show, but to also do what he called his brain software seminar, in case you're wondering where we got the title for our podcast. And he started teaching all kinds of cool things about how to change your mind, how to become more persuasive, how to become more confident. And I just immediately started reading everything I could find in the university library. I think Amazon came around that time, too. So I started buying books and basically studied hypnosis as a hobby through the 1990s. And only then, when I moved to Toronto in the early 2000s, I looked up Mike on Google or whatever the search engine was at the time, found him and started taking classes with him. We became best friends and we started our business together around 2008. Wow. I love it. Man. I can't begin to tell you how incredibly thankful I am to the creators of Clubhouse for allowing an opportunity for this to happen. I want to introduce how I got into, when I was first introduced into hypnotherapy, or actually hypnosis. So I was... I, I was in college hanging out with my fraternity brothers, and one night they decided to go down to this comedy club, and I'm like, cool, and they said there's this stage hypnotist, and I remember hanging out and watching all of these volunteers up on stage. I'd say there were about eight or nine people up on stage, and this hypno- hypnotic or hyp- hypnotherapist or hypno... What do you call it? A hypnotist. There you go. A stage hypnotist slash comedian up on stage, and I had never, uh, uh, wait, okay, I'm wrong. 
my first introduction to the world of hypnosis and hypnotherapy and all that other stuff was Scooby-Doo. Because uh, do you guys remember the old Scooby-Doo cartoons where every now and then they would, uh, they would uh, hypnotize Scooby and Shaggy? Totally. Yes. Okay, so that, that's my first introduction to hypnosis. All right, but then my next one was uh, the stage hypnotist show. And of course, what he did is he had these people do the most, most humiliating things you could possibly imagine. And I guess this was to demonstrate that this is real, that, that there's no way that they would do this on their own. Uh, they had people, you know, w- walking on all fours because they they believed that they were a dog. Well, one person believed they, they were a dog going woof, 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 woof. And another one was believed he was a pig and he actually was on all fours, but he actually walked different than a dog. He literally had the physical mannerisms of movement of a pig and he was going oink, 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 but he wasn't doing oink. He was going, the, he was actually doing a pig sound that was very reminiscent of a pig sound. And I'm thinking, okay, there's either a couple things going on here. Either this is divination, evil maggot, black magic, or something of that nature, or the, this, is, this is just a setup. These people are all part of the team, kind of like the circus rolled into town, and, and they're all sitting there in their different places, you know, waiting to be picked on. But, you know, no matter who raised their hands in this audience, these people were the actors that are going to get up on the stage. So... To, to say that I was skeptical is an understatement. Um, but at the same time, uh, I saw some of my fraternity, one of my fraternity friends got up there and was playing along with it and stuff like that. And so I didn't think a whole lot about it after that. It was a very, it was a very entertaining evening. I had laughed more than I'd laughed in a long time. And I went on with life. Uh, fast forward to uh, 2016, I began studying Tony Robbins materials a great deal without even knowing that I was being introduced to the world of neuro-linguistic programming or NLP. I was being introduced to it just by him teaching methods and strategies and techniques, which I was adequately or I was adamant about applying to my life, which I've experienced massive transformations one right after another. Anybody who's been following me for the past 15 years online has has seen the transformations in my life, and most of those took place, the most radical shifts from 2016 through to today, Uh, and I have since discovered that a lot of it's through uh, the techniques of NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, and then I was introduced, and I'm just going to give a shout out. By the way, uh, real quickly, if any of you on the stage here, if you recognize this name, do any of you know the name Tim Schur, S-H-U-R-R? Anybody? I do not. Okay. Mike? I, I do not. Okay, Mike, have you heard of Tim? No, can't say that I do either. Okay, so what happened was last year I was introduced to a man named Tim Shure, and he is a he's a hypnotist and hypnotherapist, and I just met him through a mutual friend. He and I became really close there for a while, and and he sent me a. I told him I, I was like, man, I'd love to in, learn more about hypnotism. I think it's fascinating this world that you're doing. I've got all kinds of weird things in my mind about it, but you seem like an up and up guy. And it doesn't seem to me like you're you're a con artist or anything like that. I mean, I, I, I had intuitively figured that out. And he sent me a book, and I'm going to ask you guys the same thing. Un, unmute yourself and tell me if you recognize this book. He sent me a hardbound copy of an out-of-print book called The Wizard Within, which is the Krasner Method of Clinical Hypno- Hypnotherapy by Dr. A.M. Krasner. Have you heard of it's this on book? my shelf. It's sitting on my shelf. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had a feeling I've heard of you talk about that before. 
Yeah, Krasner had the organization that Tad James took over, and he taught the Krasner method of hypnotherapy, and it was very effective. Um, it's it's a good book. There's better ones now, but it's still on my shelf. It is a good book. Well, I so this was my official, real, genuine introduction into the world of hypnotherapy, and I, I began to read this book, and all of a sudden, after reading this book, without even knowing it, and I'm going to, maybe I'm wrong, but that's why I'm here with you guys today. I'm going to ask you some questions, and I want to see what your answers are, but I have this sense, sense that I have been doing what and I don't even know the clinical or the actual real definition of what's called conversational hypnotherapy but when I actually look at all of the effectiveness that I've had in my one-on-one coaching with my clients over the past 10 years I'm absolutely convinced right now and I may be convinced that I was wrong but I believe that I've been hypnotizing people and doing clinical conversational hypnotherapy with my clients and I wasn't even realizing that I was doing it so now, with that being said, I'm going to ask you guys uh, to take a stab at this. Lori, I'm going to start with you. I'm going to start with the newest into this industry all the way down to the most seasoned. In your own words, how would you define the answer to this question? What is hypnotism? Okay, I'm going to take a stab at this. This is intimidating for me having my mentors listening to this, but I know they're gracious To me, hypnotism is something that is happening every day. It happens when we turn on the news. It happens when we are so engrossed in a movie that we jump when the bad guy appears, when we cry because the dog dies and we're just so immersed in an experience that we are using our imagination to, to open up our emotions. And it's also, Mike will be able to articulate this better than me, but it's a point, a place where we're in There's different forms. One form is when we're in that deeply relaxed meditative state. This is something that looks like prayer or meditation or shavasana in yoga. And we're in a place where we're a bit more suggestible. It becomes easier to believe certain things about ourselves and the world. And I teach people how to give themselves powerful, positive suggestions to themselves in this place. And they start to realize how powerful their self-talk is. And Cliff, I can tell you just from the the podcast that I've heard and the interaction that I have had with you, you are doing it. You are already a pro at this. Really, anytime you are in rapport with someone, when you have someone who knows, likes, and trusts you, and you speak to them with confidence and authority, it's so much easier for them to believe you. And when they truly believe you, they can take that on as an aspect of their personality, and it can shift and transform their capabilities in powerful ways. Wow. So that's that's in a nutshell. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. Chris, in your own words, uh, how would you describe what is hypnotism? Okay, great question. And you're going to get so many different possible answers. Any hypnotist that you ask is probably going to answer this in a slightly different way. Um, Lori's answer is phenomenal and makes tons of sense. I would really characterize hypnosis as being a really internally focused state where you have suspended disbelief around all kinds of things that people tend to consciously get in the way of their own progress. So when you get into this internal focused state that we can call a trance and you're suspending disbelief and whether or not that's somebody else doing it to you, what we call hetero hypnosis, or whether it's self hypnosis and you're doing it to yourself and you're simply using some sort of guided imagination, mindfulness technique, meditation, et cetera, 
you're able to solve problems where you wouldn't normally solve them in the conscious domain by just saying, what do I need to do to solve this problem? You're opening up possibility and suspending disbelief. And it is not, I'll just throw in what it is not. It is not sleep and it is not relaxation. You may be relaxed, but it is not required in any way, shape or form. So you'll be hypnotized. You'll be in a trance. If you're a if you're a martial arts fighter and you're in competition, you're going to be in trance during that moment. If you are intensely focused on reading a book, you're going to be in trance in that moment. And that book, that storyline is going to seem very real to you in your imagination. And you're probably not going to notice, you know, somebody um, walking past you in the hallway or doing anything that isn't um, going to jar you out of your experience. So to me, that is what hypnosis is. It's a powerful set of tools to help people make changes by focusing them on their internal state, suspending their disbelief and giving them suggestions and tools to unlock the model. I love that. Mike, same question for you in your own words. How do you describe what is hypnosis? Well, my esteemed colleagues have uh, both done an exceptional job here, so I'm just going to add to the mix. Chris is correct insofar as you will not get the same answer from any hypnotist. What you'll typically hear is hypnosis is a relaxed state where, but Chris nailed it, as did Lori. It's not always a relaxed state at all. If you watch, God forbid, something like the Nuremberg rallies, you are seeing masses of people in profound hypnotic states. Uh, charisma will increase susceptibility to hypnosis, but as the late, great Milton Erickson pointed out, Hypnotism is not necessarily enhanced suggestibility. It only increases the potential for suggestibility, which the person is still able to refuse. We still have a huge degree of control when we're in hypnotic states. In fact, probably more than in a so-called waking state because we can control our blood pressure. We can make warts dry up and fall off. It's been documented for well over 100 years, all kinds of things. So let me add to it by let's bring in a neurological model and say that in a wide awake state, the average right-handed person will have an extremely active left brain that to make a gross generalization is hugely involved in detail, mathematics, language, that sort of thing. And the right brain tends to be muted and a little more quiet. When one goes into hypnosis, the right brain starts to wake up and the left brain becomes more muted and the right brain is involved with color and metaphor and music and form and symbolism. And we also get more trans-hemispheric function between the two brain hemispheres through the corpus callosum, 200 million fibers. So we have not only the left brain muting, the right brain waking up, but the two hemispheres talking to each other as well. And it enables us to gain access to a vast realm of resources. Every conversation we've ever heard, every movie we've ever seen, everything we've ever read is all available to the unconscious mind. And consequently, we can make remarkable changes once we gain access to it. Oh, I love that. I was, I guess I should say that I was also introduced to some of these concepts by the book Psycho-Cybernetics in Dr. Maxwell Maltz's book from, I think, the 1960s, where he talked about the subconscious mind and how it operates as an auto-servo mechanism based upon whatever operating instructions we give it. And so, therefore, he talked about the power of the self-image. Dr. Maxwell Maltz was a, um, what do you call that? He was a plastic surgeon. 
So he would take people and and uh, who had a deformity, let's say, on their face, and they thought themselves to be ugly. And so this person had a personality that was shy and reserved, kind of saying to themselves all the time, "Nobody wants to be in a room with me." It's it, you know, they're everybody's embarrassed because they when I walk into a room because nobody even knows what to say. They don't even know if they should look at me or turn their eyes away. So that I I just avoid people and blah blah blah. And then he would actually perform plastic surgery on this person, and then all of a sudden, after they're finished and healed. All of a sudden, he realized that people were, uh, they had a completely different life. It's, it's like, if you if you followed, if you found this person two years after surgery and compared it to the how that person was two years before surgery, you'd swear there's no way this is the same person. This person all of a sudden is outgoing and and fun-loving and and just radically changed personality. And, and he realized this was happening over and over again. But then he also recognized that there were people who he did surgery on where they didn't get that result. And then there was people who surgery wasn't possible to do what they wanted to do. But later in life, again, two years later, after the potential surgery, that which never took place, he all of a sudden seen that person who still had the same deformities but still had the same radical transformation. He began to understand the power of the self-image and, of course, which comes from self-talk or what I've learned as auto-suggestion, which is nothing more than suggesting things to yourself. So if you say, I'm ugly, then you actually live your life as you're ugly. Uh, is is that a form of this hypnotic stuff, that this power suggestion, Mike or Chris or Lori? Uh, who wants to speak to that? I, I will jump in. I just put a post up on Facebook a couple of days ago. Of First of all, yes, it is definitely an aspect. I think that book really clearly articulates some of the processes underneath hypnosis. And it made me think of a post I just put up. I was scrolling through my old pictures in my Google photos, and I found a picture of myself from about four five years ago, just before I started learning from Mike and Chris. And I didn't, I looked, in my opinion, 10 years younger because I didn't have any crow's feet around my eyes. And I just looked like a sad person. And I was the kind of person who just had struggled with depression since my earliest memories. I remember being a small child and just feeling despondent about life. And since finding these tools and learning the power of auto-suggestion, it has transformed me in such a powerful way that I it's hard for me to even recognize that person. And people compliment my smile all the time. And I didn't even know how to smile like this back then. And I now have these crow's feet next to my eyes that give away my internal happiness. So I, I completely agree with you that the power of auto-suggestion changes us on an identity level and can, it's one of my favorite things about hypnosis is this hope that we can recreate ourselves and that the past does not have to predict the future. Excellent. So my next question, and I would imagine since all of you in your bios have some form of the word hypnosis, hypnotist, and hypnotism, all that stuff, I would imagine that you have certainly faced a little bit of opposition or a little bit of concern from some folks who have been conditioned to think that maybe this is divination, dark magic, things to be avoided that, that clearly God wouldn't want anybody who's following him to, to certainly uh, delve into the realm of, of these weird, mystical, uh, supernatural feats. Uh, 
Mike, f- through your practice, have you run into that? And, and what do you say to people who have that kind of concern? Where do I start, Cliff? I've run into this probably more than any human being I know. I was uh, a licensed minister in Ontario and um, uh, with a small denomination. And I'm, I'm in, an ordained pe- uh, Presbyterian elder now. I'm, I'm a practicing, believing Christian. And I run into more problems from my own church than anywhere else. People, one woman came up to me and handed me a stack of paper, two inches thick. And it was this thing she printed offline and wanted me to read it. She was really mad. And it it had a ridiculous title like Christianity, uh, you know, such and such. And then it said hypnosis, Christian or occultic, threat or menace. It's like, what? And there's so much misunderstanding from really nice people. And I, I, by and large, don't debate it anymore. I just say, give me a chapter and verse. We're looking at a tool that is the way our minds are designed, the way they are meant to run well. And the same people who are so concerned about these things will have no problem letting hypnosis into their lives through other means like advertising and television, which is the most ubiquitous transinducer in the world. If you're going to be consistent, you got to get rid of all of it. You, you can't even read a work of fiction because you're generating the story inside your mind. That's as hypnotic as anything else. And I think people well-intended, but through ignorance, make all sorts of ridiculous pronouncements when in reality it's a, it's a wonderful tool i remember when i started at the church my wife and i currently attend 15 years ago and the minister was east indian he was a fulbright scholar he used to pastor in washington dc and he said to me what do you do for a living i said i'm, I'm a hypnotist and he said oh how wonderful you must be able to help a lot of people i thought oh thank god <laughs> not not everybody's seeing this as demonic or nightmarish and it's it's a wonderful tool when properly used well, I appreciate that answer, and and that is something that this book, The Wizard Within, certainly it dispelled a lot of myths in chapter, hold on, it was chapter uh, two, The History of Hypnosis, and it talked about how it was something that was widely used in the original Anglican church and, and very much a part of things that priests were involved in, and then how it degraded into the occult kind of viewpoint and all sorts of other things, and so... Uh, I, I certainly had to overcome my own objections and criticism to this whole thing. But then when I realized, wait a second, I've been I've been hypnotized most of my life. So for example, Mike, I, I think you're probably old enough to answer this thing. And you and I have never talked before this room. So go ahead and unmute yourself. And I want you to fit, finish this sentence, okay? And this could fail miserably. Go ahead and unmute yourself. All right, I'm going to say plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. <laughs> and there you, see, there we go. And, and, and I'm also going to ask you, hey, Mike, how do you spell relief? R-O-L-A-I-D-S. Yes, see? <laughs> and so, if by the way, if anybody's, I don't know, I, I'm guessing somewhere around the age of 45 or older, uh, if you were able to also finish the plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is, or spell relief as R-O-L-I-A-D-S, and I can't spell hardly anything anymore, but I can spell relief, which is R-O-L-A-I-D-S, off the top of my head, and I haven't heard those commercials since I was seven years old. So I just realized that I'm a, I'm now officially in the same age bracket as Mike because I was able to answer both of those questions. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So okay. Now the next question I want to ask is this: uh, I I would like uh, Chris. I'm going to ask you directly. This talk about suggestion 
because I, I ha- I've only ever heard of it before. I used to hear it as auto-suggestion. And my understanding now is auto-suggestion is just a suggestion you hear. And then as you're thinking about what's being said, you actually process it into an auto-suggestion, which is a suggestion you make to yourself. But tell us, r- describe what is suggestion and what is the power of suggestion? Okay, that's a great question. And I want to make the distinction between what we often teach our students in class, the difference between suggestion and direction. So direction, very simple to understand. If you tell somebody what to do and they follow your directions, that's direction. A lot of times this gets misunderstood as hypnotic suggestion in the so-called induction phase of hypnosis. When you're, when you're hypnotizing somebody, putting them into a trance, you'll often tell them what to do. But then once they're already there, now you're offering them, offering, <laughs> I just made up a word. There we go. We'll throw that in the podcast. We're offering them some sort of suggestion to help them make their life better. And that suggestion could simply be, and when you wake up from this experience, so-called wake up, right, as if they're asleep, you're going to notice how amazing you feel. And you'll be able to take that powerful feeling forward with you. And the next time that you would have felt that overcoming of stage fright, you'll notice that things are different now and you feel incredible and empowered and confident to address this group of people. And you'll you'll frame things in clever ways. And usually with suggestion, we're going to give people a positive message, not a negative message. We're going to tell them what they will be able to do. We'll often use language framing the problem as past tense. We'll give them all kinds of fleshed out visual, kinesthetic, and auditory senses around the suggestion. So we'll tell them what they'll see, what they'll hear, what they'll feel, what they'll say to themselves, how other people will look at them, whatever it is. And we'll repeat those suggestions often in many different ways. And as long as you have their neural circuits lit up so that they're open to this possibility and you frame it in a way that resonates with them based on usually the intake information that you've done, the pre-conversation stuff before you do the so-called hypnosis, and by the way, everything is hypnosis, right? Then these suggestions can really help make powerful difference to people's lives. Now, what won't work is giving somebody a suggestion or an instruction that does not resonate with their belief system, for example, or their moral code. They will not follow through with that. They will simply reject it and often come out of trance if they're in a hypnotic experience. Wow, thank you for that. Mike, do you have anything to add? I, not, not that Chris didn't say enough, but is there anything else that you would add for this idea, the, the topic of what is suggestion? Again, um, I think Chris put it really well. We're, we're prone to suggestion as human beings because, as, as you said, you know, we're sort of internalizing what we're hearing anyway. And it, we're being bombarded by 3 million to 20 million bits of information internally and externally per second. We can only process about seven plus or minus two. There's the NLP again from George Miller. And so we are selectively focusing on things with our conscious awareness. And meanwhile, beneath the surface, we have this immense churning of unconscious information. And so much is hypnotic. As Chris just said, it's all hypnosis. Laurie said the same thing. And it, it amazes me how this is around us without people noticing it. Years ago, my wife and I were at a, a bank lined up downtown Toronto, where I live. And there was a sign, a poster for the bank for one of their services they were pushing on people. And these, this was the actual wording of the poster. This is so hypnotic, it's incredible. It said, borrow to get ahead so you don't fall behind. Now, isn't borrowing going further in debt? And isn't going further in debt falling further behind in anyone's estimation? 
But it's amazing that this sort of thing can be put out there. And because people tend to sort of float through life in trance states, uh, the great Richard Bandler said, in order to hypnotize most people, you have to awaken them from the trance they're already in. There's a large degree of truth to that. People are prone to suggestion. It, it's coming in all the time. And the kind of suggestion that will resonate is the stuff that's going to fit with our values and what we want out of life. As Chris said, when it's framed in a positive, that will pull us forward and help us make changes so fast. It's just ridiculous. Wow, thank you. So I want to ask you guys a question, and I, I want to get your opinion on something. I've done this several different times in coaching sessions, and I want you to tell me if this is hypnotherapy, hypnosis, conversational hypnotherapy. I just, I've done this about five, six, seven times with one-on-one coaching clients. And specifically when they come to me, it's like, listen, you know what, Cliff, I'm so inspired by your early morning routine. Can you tell me how I can do that? You see, I, I just, it, it never fails. I, I just really struggle getting up in the morning. I'm not an early person, morning person and blah, blah, blah. And so they tell me what all their beliefs are. And, and first of all, I work with them on their beliefs related to who they are, what their identity is and stuff like that. And I sat there, I said, here's what I can tell you. You, I, I begin to speak, but, oh, by the way, let me tell you what I, one thing that I do. Every single time somebody schedules a 90-minute one-on-one session with me, they have to agree to come to the call 100% distraction-free. Uh, matter of fact, if somebody says, hey, I am so sorry, I, I almost canceled our meeting, but my kids are in the room with me and stuff like that, is that okay with you? And I said, no, it's actually not. Let's go ahead and reschedule your call. Uh, so I make everyone required, everybody has to agree. They come to the room 100% distraction-free. I ask them at the beginning of every meeting, are you completely 100% distraction-free. That means your all notifications are turned off on computers, phones, tablets, everything. Uh, do people outside of the room know not to knock on the room during our call? So I do that. And then I, I sit there and I said, listen, you are you have this amazing gift called your subconscious mind that actually has to do anything and everything that you tell it to do. So anything that you tell it to do, it has to do it. It's required. It, God created it to be submissive to you and your conscious mind if you t- give it the right instructions. So I, can't, I sit there, I said, I can absolutely prove to you that you can be a morning person anytime you desire to be, and I'm going to prove it to you right now. So let me ask you this question. Have you ever gone to a conference and slept in a hotel where the ver- after the conference on the final night, you had an early morning flight that t- took off around 6 or 7 a.m., which mean that means that you needed to get to the airport about an hour or two hours early, which means that you needed to wake up somewhere between 3 and 4 o'clock in the morning. Has that ever happened to you? And every single person that I'm working with has had that many times in their life said, awesome. And they said, listen, so I said, you're talking to tell me that's happened to you on at least what, five, six, seven times. Some of them say, yes, at least that. Sometimes it's like, Cliff, you have no idea, like 30, 50 times. I said, I'm going to tell you what, I have never had this conversation with you before, right? Absolutely. I said, so let me ask you, or let me tell you something I know. You've never missed a morning flight. Here's what I can also tell you. With you, if you've actually had that situation five, six, or seven times or more, here's what I can tell you. 
on the final night of the conference, you went to a networking party, you you knew you had to get up about three or four o'clock in the morning, and all of a sudden you don't get you're you're out until one or two in the morning, and you're exhausted. I mean, you ha- I mean, you literally have to get some sleep. This you are so worn out from the three, five, or six days you've been at this event, you are busted, man. So you actually go to sleep, but before you go to sleep, you call the front desk and say, Listen, I need you to set me a I need to set a wake-up call for 4 a.m. And then you go and you turn the alarm clock in the room and you set it for 4 a.m. You go into your iPhone and set it for 4 a.m. You go to your iPad and set it for 4 a.m. You've got alarms everywhere for 4 a.m., right? Yes. And so you go to go to your hotel room. It's about 1, 1 1.15. You you fall dead on the bed. And then all of a sudden what happens is you never wake up to that alarm, because you automatically wake up somewhere between 2.30 and 3 o'clock in the morning and you look and see what time it is and then all of a sudden you go right back to sleep immediately and then you wake up again around 3.30 in the morning you see you see what time it is and it's like, nope, they're gonna wake me up. And then at 3.55, you wake up and boom, you're wide awake as if all those alarms went off and then you're already up and packing on your way, brushing your teeth, getting ready to head to the airport. And every single one of them said, yes, how did you know that? I said, because it's the first time you use the power of auto-suggestion and the suggestion of your subconscious mind that says, you must wake me up tomorrow morning. I must be at the airport. This is essential. This is this is very important to my success in life and what I want. So I must be up by 4 a.m. tomorrow. And your subconscious mind did it for you. And I said, here's the thing. I'm going to tell you right now, do you want to wake up tomorrow morning at 4 a.m., yes or no? And they say, yes. Is it essential for you to live the life that you feel called to live, yes or no? Yes. I said, here's what you're going to do. What I said, what time do you want to wake up tomorrow? They said, 5 a.m. I said, here's what you do. You set an alarm for 5 a.m., but before you go to bed, you tell your subconscious mind, I must, I must be up by 5 a.m. And in fact, I'm asking you to wake me up just shortly before 5 a.m. And tonight, when you and when you go to bed, if you do that, here's what's going to happen. You're probably gonna wake up around three o'clock in the morning and go right back to sleep. You're gonna probably wake up around 4.10, 4.30, somewhere around there, and you're gonna go right back to sleep. And then, right at 4.55 a.m. tomorrow, you're gonna wake up, you're gonna be wide awake, and you're gonna put your feet directly on the floor and get straight out of bed and you will not need any coffee to be wide awake. You, t- I promise you, if you do this, it'll happen. Will you do that? And they said, yes, I'm gonna do that. I'm excited. Wow, I never even thought about this. Every morning, the next morning, I said, listen, I want you to text me at, fi- uh, at 4.56 in the morning tomorrow. It says, Cliff, oh my gosh, it worked. Every single time they say it, it happened. Now, tell me, did I use clinical hypnotherapy? Well, I'm going to say that you you certainly used uh, hypnosis. And let me throw something into the works here, and then we should probably get Lori involved. But throw something into the works here that you have brought up, which is related. It's a very interesting thing. It used to be believed by the people in the know that they started to say that the unconscious mind, we say unconscious because we're typically Ericksonians. We don't divide the subconscious, but it's just nomenclature. It doesn't matter. They used to say that the unconscious doesn't exist that the conscious mind is the only real mind. I mean, a lot of people believe that. Studies out of Britain in the last decade appear to indicate it's the conscious mind that does not exist. 
<laughs> and that the unconscious mind is the only real mind, and it makes a projection of six or seven bits of information that is seen as the conscious mind. And when we choose something, which chocolate we're going to take out of a box of candy, or which way to turn on the road, the unconscious mind has chosen it, presented it to the conscious mind, which thinks it's a free choice. So interestingly, there's a paradox here, Cliff, that awakening at 4 a.m. using this method, you've actually got the unconscious mind prompting the conscious mind to do the technique so the unconscious mind will wake you up. I mean, it's just how weird this all gets. I, I, I'm going to go back and listen to that a couple times. I think I follow what you're saying. Uh, but man, that's powerful. And I thank you for bringing that up. And, and I was actually consciously thinking about bringing Lori in next because I, I've, I've so dominated the conversation between the three of us. So, Lori, I'm going to ask you, uh, first of all, have you had any experiences like that? And what are some of the ways that you use hypnotherapy? Are you putting people t- in a trance state kind of like where they almost like people look like on a, on a stage when you're having a coaching call with somebody? Or is it something a little bit lighter than that? First of all, I'm having a blast listening to this conversation, so it's totally okay. I'm learning so much just just listening in. And yes, I have used some of these tools. I'll share a bit more. I do actually very little formal trance of what, what people generally think of with a trance, you know, the Scooby-Doo kind, because I work predominantly over Zoom, and I have since the very beginning. I had asked myself, How can I make an excellent living and not have to be location dependent? So that was my solution. And because conversational hypnosis is so incredibly powerful, I don't find it necessary to use a formal trance. I do give people with my various programs, I give them uh, bedtime hypnosis audios that they can listen to as they fall asleep. And one of the suggestions that I give on a couple of those audios is I want you to think about right now what time you want to wake up in the morning and just imagine yourself waking up two minutes before the alarm clock goes off. And I have people over and over message me and say, it's incredible. I don't even set my alarm clock anymore because every time I just tell myself what time I want to wake up, it happens. And I, that kind of goes back to, you know, sometimes I think we really try to complicate things, especially self-hypnosis. When what if it can be as simple as just saying, hey, I, I want this to happen. Will that powerful automatic part of me, will you just make that happen for me and trust it to happen? Um, and incredible things happen. One little side note is for a person to give themselves these suggestions in the same way that they need to be in rapport with the hypnotist, they need to know, like, and trust that person. It's important that you know, like, and trust yourself. And so I find that just a person who is in rapport with you, Cliff, and you say, do you realize how powerful your unconscious is? And do you realize that you can do this? And as you're telling them, like I visualize the person jumping out of bed and just feeling a zing as soon as their feet hit the floor. And so, you know, this is like a person watching TV that they've already made a movie about it in their mind. And so they believe you. And that then gives them the ability to understand how powerful auto suggestion is. But it's important that they if a person can help them truly understand how powerful their self-talk is, they become unstoppable. 
that I love that you brought up the the topic of self talk because I forgot to write it in my notes here. Uh, just earlier today, I was in a mastermind call with a dear friend of mine, and he was talking about the fact that you know I oh my gosh I just started offering this one on one coaching, which is so much easier than this other program that I was offering, and and now the only thing I have to worry about is that you know uh, this one conversation. I don't have to worry about them all engaging with each other and stuff like that in this group program. I don't have to worry about this. All I have to worry about is this. Now, I, I caught something very huge in that, and, and I wonder if everybody who's listening to this has already caught to the problem of that language. Lori, I'm going to ask you, what is the problem with the language that I demonstrated that this person said? He's already convinced himself. He's given himself a suggestion that this is something he has to worry about. Yes! I, I'm like, how can you not hear your own words? Oh my gosh, all I have to do, and it's like, so basically your subconscious mind is, or your unconscious mind is simply stated, or you, you've given it the instruction, you must worry about this coaching call. You must worry about whether or not you're having value. You must worry, you must worry, because you keep, the suggestion that you're making, the auto-suggestion is, all I have to worry about is, and, 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 literally he said it three times all i have to worry about is and it's like yes so you're right that's ah it's this is powerful stuff isn't it Lori? it's so powerful i had a woman in my weight loss program a couple days ago talk about how she she was trying to not put sugar in her tea or something to that effect and she said i feel like i'm starving myself (laughs) <laughs> and I thought, oh my goodness, we we have some work to do on reframing that belief because if you feel like you're starving yourself, then it's going to be nearly impossible to make those changes. Yeah, and I I for those that don't know this, I used to weigh 300 pounds about six years ago, and I made a commitment to work out six days a week every week for the rest of my life and and to get physically fit and healthy and and I've lost over 100 pounds. But when I, what happened for me is I realized I was using a lot of willpower and a lot of hard effort and stuff like that to, to lose a lot of weight. And I became, every with every pound I lost, I got more and more excited about how much weight I'd lost. And, and, and so I got really, but I got stuck. I started out at 272, somewhere around there. And I got down to 212 and I just simply couldn't get through. And I was bumping up against two things. One, I heard people say that uh, if you do ra- radical tr- transformation, then uh, it's never going to last. You'll always gain the weight back, and you'll and you'll probably then gain some. So I had a little bit of that sticking around in my background. It was in inside my operating system as some programmed code. And then there was uh, the closer you get to your goal, the more difficult it's going to be for you to lose weight. So I had a little bit of that programming code. That suggestion had been made several times in the past, and I had accepted it. However, the one thing that was most holding me back is in my mind, I always thought of myself as a fat person who has lost uh, however many pounds I had lost. I'm a fat person who has lost this much weight. I'm a fat person who had lost this much weight. And then I, I listened to a program from Tony Robbins. He says, the greatest force in all the human personality is that we re- must remain consistent with who we believe we are. So if I believe, if I continue to identify myself in my mind as a fat person who has lost a lot of weight, then I... Ultimately, that the suggestion is that I'm a fat person. 
And so, therefore, if you add that up with the other suggestion that if you do something radical like working out six days a week every week for the rest of your life, and you're always going to gain it back, and if you also are running up close to your goal, and they and you have the suggestion that the closer you get to your goal, the harder it is to lose weight. And as soon as I learned all of this, I started to go to work on my own suggestions. And I said, listen, none of that's true. I'm a 180-pound, physically fit, uh, endurance athlete who is currently... Uh, whatever, 32 pounds overweight or whatever the math is on that. I am a, th- a thin, healthy, physically fit person who's currently got this much extra poundage that, that I have to get rid of. And also, I think it's baloney that, sure, okay, maybe most people, maybe a lot of people, but I'm going to be one of the few who don't gain it all back. And, and you know what? I also have known people who during their last few pounds that they had to go off, they learned some new technique or strategy about metabolism or something like this, and, and the weight just flew off. And I'm not kidding you. I was stuck at 212, 215, 216 for maybe six, seven weeks. But once I did this inner work and began, I think what I'm now thinking is self-hypnosis, I literally melted all of those pounds away, and I went all the way down to 180 within, I think it was 65 days. Cliff, you thought you were bringing three hypnotists into this room, and I hope you're starting to realize that there are four four incredibly powerful hypnotists on this stage. I love that story so much. Well, thank you, and that, that's that's why I wanted to come on here because you know I that, I in my mind prior to this conversation, I, I by the way, ever since I met Tim Shore and I read this book on and I, I I've only read all the way through the Wizard Within, the Krasner Method of Clinical Hypnotherapy. I've delved in, I've dove into about three or four other books on self hypnosis and didn't finish any of them because I have other passions in my life as well. But this was always something I've been fascinated with. But I just wonder, it's like, I am I doing hypnotherapy? Am I doing hypnosis? I think that I am. And that and I, I, I warned everybody at the beginning, listen, this is a selfish conversation. I wanted to get around these hypnotists who do this stuff for a living and find out, am I right? Am I actually doing this? Is this real? I'm going to say it's real because as soon as you change focus and you're bringing in an, an intent focus to anything, you're bringing in some degree of hypnotic states. And Laurie and Chris will agree with me on this. What we run into, which is a typical problem with people who go to therapists, is you ask them what they want because we want to find their outcome in NLP terms. We want to find out what they're going to see, hear, and feel when they have it so that we can change their present state to this target state. And almost always, I'd say 90% of the time, the first round, they tell me what they don't want. I don't want to be fat anymore. I don't want this. I don't want that. But the list of what you don't want, as Chris and I say, is infinite because you don't want to be a tin miner on Jupiter. You don't want to build a bonfire in your bedroom. You know, you don't want to have eight root canals, even if you do them on yourself and they're free. It, it, the list of what we don't want is infinite. But as soon as we begin to focus on what we want and make it vivid so we can see, see it and believe it and feel it, then we are able to tune the wealth of the reticular activating system of the brain to work towards that at an unconscious level. And that's when everything changes. I love that. Chris? Yeah, I, there's a few things that you said that I, I love that I want to pick up on. So first of all, when you were reading out the statement, or not reading, I should say recalling to Lori the statement about the thing that the person needs to worry about. When we are around a lot of our hypnosis students, when we catch them saying stuff like that, we'll often throw a hilarious 
pattern interrupt at them just to get them to catch themselves in the behavior. We'll say something like, and what else can you remember to worry about tremendously tonight so that you have a hard time sleeping and wake up throughout the night with insomnia? Or just as a hilarious joke, right? Just to catch them. And then they go, oh, ha ha. Yeah, I realize my language is not very useful there. And we'll often catch people saying things like, oh, I'm going to try. I'm going to try to show up for that meeting on time. I'll try to make sure that I don't have any interruptions during our meeting, Cliff. You'll hear people say the word try. And how many times can you remember somebody saying they're going to try? And that we know what that really means, right? They won't show up to help us move on that Saturday morning, or they won't make it to the meeting on that time uh, as they agree to. Or they won't send us the email they promised because they they tried after all, right? They don't have to actually do it as long as they tried. Does that resonate for you? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, and I, I love the reminder of the pattern inter- interrupts. I've I've done some. I, I I like to do some pattern interrupts and say some things and 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 stuff like that. But I I love the example specifically of of the next time somebody says all I have to do is worry about this and and I'm I'm, I'm going to use that exact phrase that you just used uh, because I I love that pattern interrupt. Yeah, or we'll often say something else like, uh, well, there's no need to completely obsess over that all day long, right? When they, yeah. they just, talk about yeah, their problems. Because we should probably just a little bit obsess over that, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. There, there's, a, there's, a minimum, there's a minimum effective dose of obsession that will get the job done, right? <laughs> Yeah, the difference between letting it drive an anxiety response that keeps people, let's say, f- frozen, right, or the right level of, let's call it just the right level of stress, I don't want to call it anxiety, that gets them to fight for the result that they want. Yes. So, okay, am I correct in what I'm doing is called conversational hypnotherapy? I would I'll put jump it in. in. I, I, I was going go ahead, ahead Mike. Sorry, you, you were first. <laughs> well, I'm just going to say um, conversational hypnosis has a specific structure. Um, I would say that with your experience as a coach, what you are doing is you are using conversation in very empowering ways. So you are working therapeutically and conversationally, and it is hypnotic. So I'm going to have to say, yeah, you passed the test. Okay. Chris. Okay. So, and I was going to give a very similar answer that what you're, while what what we normally think of as conversational hypnosis is a little bit different than what you did. What you did is essentially direct style hypnosis, giving people very direct instructions on what to imagine, what to think and what to do and telling them what will happen in a very direct way, not in a, in a traditional permissive way. But it's still not formal hypnosis. Therefore, it's conversational hypnosis. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And as the brain follows the string of words and begins to uh, evaluate the meaning based on personal experience and finds access to all the resources down beneath the surface, which are the very thing that we're attempting to bring to the surface in the first place anyway, so they can make some kind of change. They begin to resonate with all of these things. And the second most important thing here is that hypnosis is happening all the time anyway, as we've all said. And the third vitally important thing is I'd like you to totally forget the first vitally important thing now. (laughs) That's conversational hypnosis. I like that. (laughs) Thanks. That was awesome. I'm going to have to go back and see what the first thing was now. (laughs) 
That's right. <laughs> I love it. All right. So real quickly, it, it is 2.57. We, we scheduled a start time for this room. I want to be super respectful of your time. Lori, Chris, and Mike, how are you on time? Should we wrap up here? I'm more than happy to do that. Do you, do you have more time? Uh, I, I just want to check in real quick with you. Lori? I have more time. All right, Chris? Yeah, I've got more time. No problem here. Okay, and Mike? I don't have... I don't have more time. <laughs> I, that, thank you so much. I am yeah. thrilled that you spoke up and let me know. Mike, do you, uh, I just want to say it is a pleasure to meet you. I've heard about you as soon as I began inter- my interest in hypnosis. Uh, you're, you're the top name that came up in my searches for folks. And so um, to, to be able to have this opportunity to connect with you has been an honor and a privilege. And you have a new follower and fan and uh, I'll, I'll, I'm sure that our paths will cross again. I certainly hope so. So blessings to all three of you, and we'll talk soon. All right. Thank you so much. So Lori and Chris, you guys are both cool to continue this conversation. Yeah, I've got a, at least another 20 minutes. Okay, 20 minutes. Lori, so let's go for 20 more minutes. How's that? I'll tell you what I'm going to do is I'm going to open it up for uh, questions, but however... I am going to do this. We're going to take about four or five questions, but before I open it up for you to raise your hand, I have to let everyone know this conversation is being recorded. It will be released as a podcast episode of a program called Train With Cliff at trainwithcliff.com. If you want to listen to this entire conversation from the beginning, if you popped in afterwards, you can find this episode for free later this afternoon at trainwithcliff.com. You do not have to sign up for the $10 a month to get access to it. This episode will be available for free at trainwithcliff.com probably within an hour after this conversation ends. But if you raise your hand, Please know I'm going to ask you to acknowledge that your voice is being recorded and it will be used in the podcast episode. So with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and for the first five people who raise their hand, go ahead and raise your hand. And when you come up on the stage, please do mute yourself. All right. So we've got Carrie's coming in. Anybody else want to raise their hand and ask a question? Go ahead and do that now. Uh, Carrie, go ahead. Well, I'm going to ask you anyway, but although I know you. So, Carrie, are you cool with us recording your your voice for a podcast episode? Yes, I'm okay with that. All right. Go ahead and ask your question. Sure. So, uh, my question is, in one of our, our mastermind meetings recently, uh, Cliff, there was, there was someone who talked about being in a rut, and I, I mentioned some uh, advice and how I've thought about ruts and how I, I feel like I've I have, you know, kind of a system that I that I have now where if I wake up and don't feel as motivated as as I normally do, it, it kind of feels like I have these waves. And I've the way that I've been thinking about it is riding the waves, so kind of recognizing them and then kind of, you know, doing self-talk, talking to my inner critic, my resistance, all of that. I'm wondering from all of your perspectives, is that something because I know like Cliff with with your journey you have been consistent with your 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 weight loss journey, your uh, commitment to exercise every day. So I'm wondering how, and I, I did come in a little late, so I don't know if this has been addressed already, but what are your thoughts about ruts? And as far as hypnotherapy goes, is that something that can be eliminated? All right, Lori, I think you're an expert at this, so why don't you go right ahead? Thank you. 
Carrie, can you are you comfortable sharing a little bit more about maybe a time when you've experienced this in the recent past or like a particular rut that tends to frustrate you the most? Sure. So I'm uh, I'm an entrepreneur and I, I do voiceover work uh, for a living and also sell online courses and do some coaching and, and things like that. And I have seasons of being hyper productive, like crazy productive. And, and I would say that, um, so I, I have regular seasons now even, but I would say even you know, years ago when I was starting my business, I was way more productive then than now. Even my, my kids were even younger and I, was, I would do things like sacrifice sleep and just have crazy productive, uh, you know, just be working all the time. Um, and I also have, I have a, a daily routine that I like to do where I'll uh, read a daily reminder I've written to myself. I'll write three pages. Um, I have, you know, certain podcasts and things that I like to listen to. But um, I would say over the last maybe three weeks, two, three weeks, I've been less motivated to, to do those things. So, I mean, sometimes my morning routine is, is um, just pristine, you know, I'll wake up and make my bed and I'll exercise and and just be on it, you know? Um, And then some days, uh, and you asked for a specific example, I would say over the last two, three weeks, just uh, waking up and still being excited about my day, but not, I don't know how to say it other than not being motivated to kind of do the things in the, that I know are going to be, they're going to feed my day. I, I hope that's helpful. That's super helpful. Thank you so much. So I have a couple different thoughts. And the first one is, is a non-hypnosis based thought. And that is, uh, do you have a workout routine? Do you strength train at all? So I'm a former competitive athlete. I played, um, softball in college and ran cross country and track and have you know run marathon half marathon things like that and I I almost feel like because of that I it's not that I feel like I have an excuse not to do it as much anymore but um no I don't have a regular routine now I'll I'll have um various things that I'll that I'll I have workout routines that I like to do but it's not a consistent thing and that's totally okay. The biggest reason I ask, I was trying to lead you in a certain direction. So I, I, I think it's okay for you to not have a crazy workout routine in, a, in addition to everything else that you're doing right now. But I was wanting to point out when a person, so I know Chris and I both love to strength train at the gym. And we know that those muscles are actually built up during times of rest. And so I'm wondering if inside your routine, and I can look at this because I tend to have this a similar personality to yours where I'm very driven and always want to be going and achieving. And I found that oftentimes it's in those moments of rest when we are revitalized and we have those moments to kind of take a breath. And earlier we were talking about what happens when we try, when we're really trying to do something. And I've noticed for myself that sometimes when I stop trying and say, okay, and this is so hard for me, but even if like, I'm just going to sit in bed and watch Netflix all day long, all of a sudden my mind shifts into a place where I can start to think about things in a different way, or maybe I'm um, go on a hike and I just let myself be immersed in nature. And all of a sudden I get this aha moment about my business that I never would have thought of if I was just go, 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 going. So that would be my first thing is, make sure you're building periods of rest into your routine and being very gentle with yourself. I believe the more gentle and loving you are with yourself, the more it expands your capacity to be that way with others. 
So my next question is when you, you mentioned that you, when you're writing that way, that you are really aware of your self-talk, you're giving yourself powerful suggestions. And I want to ask you if I could show you a way and for anyone listening, if you've ever tried affirmations or tried self-talk and noticed that it doesn't seem to work well for you, if I could show you a way to a kind of a magic formula to make those affirmations and that self-talk really work, would you be interested? I'll speak for myself and say yes. Okay, so this is based on a book called The As If Principle by Richard Wiseman. And there's just a tremendous amount of, F, of um, evidence that our body, it kind of is the subconscious mind. When we're doing certain things with our body, it has a tremendous impact on our thoughts and our behaviors and even our abilities. And so when you start to shift your body language and your breathing, it allows you to transform those internal beliefs in a way that's incredibly powerful. So you can think of it as shifting the three Bs. And so everyone listening, if you would try this with me right now, just slightly adjust your posture. Almost imagine that a string is pulling you up from the top of the head and just allowing your bones to align and allowing your shoulders to relax, almost like you were a marionette on a string. And then lift your chin, lift your eyes and look up and just plaster a great big smile on your face. Smile so big that the wrinkles around your eyes crinkle up, even if it feels contrived. And now just take a nice deep belly breath from low in the belly and let out a long sigh of relief. And then try on some of that powerful auto-suggestion. Perhaps it is, I am energetic. I have everything I need. I can do this. I love accomplishing my goals. And Mike mentioned earlier that so often people get stuck on what they don't want. And, you know, we might be thinking, oh, I don't want to feel unmotivated. I don't want to feel like I'm letting my routine go. I don't want to feel a certain way. And when we ask ourselves this powerfully magic question, it's, I feel like it's the most magic question in the world. What do you want? Immediately when we start thinking about what we want to have instead, we start creating those pictures for our unconscious mind that become our self-hypnosis. And when you do it while you're in this powerful posture, when you've adopted the, those, the, the um, body language and the breathing of having the thing that you want, maybe start to breathe with a little bit more energy if you're feeling sluggish or breathe with a little bit more calm if you're feeling anxious. When you shift your body, your thoughts and emotions follow. The same is true in reverse. Oftentimes, if we're thinking about things in a negative way, our body language starts to slump, our breathing becomes shallow or rapid and anxious, depending on what we're thinking of. So Right, you know, if you have a pen and paper, write down the three B's, body language, breathing, and belief. And we feel like beliefs are really hard to change, but really all beliefs are, is our auto-suggestion. It's our rep repetitive self-talk that we've said to ourselves so many times, and we often don't even realize we're saying it, that we believe it. And we, we can reverse engineer that exact same process. And when you change your body language and your breathing first, all of a sudden it opens you up to all these different possibilities and ways of looking about uh, looking at life and thinking about the world. Does that help Carrie? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, it sounds like the, you know, you, you mentioned building in 
that rest time. And I feel like that's what I've, that's what I've been doing now is kind of just taking note of those waves. So it sounds like you're, um, cause I was just curious about like, are those waves even necessary? But it sounds like maybe yes. And that's, and that's just okay to, to, to recognize those and then um, speak to yourself in that way that you mentioned when they come along. Is that right? I really think so. And I think that there's something for me, the opposite of trying is allowing. And oftentimes when we simply allow ourselves to feel the way we're feeling, it, it allows for a release so that that feeling can move through us more easily and quickly. So if you're feeling unmotivated or uninspired or perhaps depleted, just, and you can even do this right now, think about, you know, kind of put yourself in that frame of mind and think about the stuck feeling that you've had. And imagine if you could scan your body and notice where you feel that feeling in the body the most. And then just drop into that part of your body almost as if you could look at that feeling and just say, I see you. And notice if you start to experience a loosening and a release and a, a shifting of that sensation. And so I think just by honoring what it is that you're feeling instead of trying to run away from it. So often we, we try to avoid the thing we don't want to feel. And it's almost like it's putting a kink in the hose that allows us to move through it. And when we simply acknowledge it, sometimes it's almost like acknowledging the little girl version of you and just looking in her eyes and saying, I see you, it's okay. And then you can start to step into, you can ride out that next wave and that next wave of energy will come through. But I definitely think there's, there's a place for rest and peace and gentleness with yourself that will allow you to move forward in an even more empowered way when that next wave of inspiration comes. That's so helpful. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Uh, Mike Skiff, another f personal friend of mine. Uh, Mike, just for the record, may I have your permission to record your question and commentary with the folks here? You got it. All right, man. What's your question? So, Laura, you may have answered this a little. You did actually answer this to a certain degree, uh, but I feel like I should still ask the question. For those of us that are kind of, you know, we we've we're we self-identify as high achievers. We've got our goals. We've got our our standards, and you know, we we've set these. Um, we set these sights on certain things that we want to accomplish or achieve. However, and I'll use my own, my own example, um, we find that we're not we're not getting there as quickly or um, efficiently as we want to, or maybe we haven't reached that specific milestone at all. What would you say is a strategy or a technique or or, or one one thing you could? offer as a as a, uh, a strategy for somebody to um, accelerate that process towards whatever it is they're after. Hey, Mike, I'll jump in. I'll give you a, a, a simple self-hypnosis procedure that you can do that I think might help you with this because what I'm sensing, and maybe I'll get your input before I go any further, would you say it's accurate that a lot of the times the limitation is really about the choice of behavior. So you have a lot of possibilities as far as what behaviors you choose to execute on at any point in time. And maybe when you're not accomplishing something as fast as you want, it's because you're making choices to take certain actions that aren't as important as other actions. So there's basically less focused effort. Does that make sense? 
And Mike, just so you know, I muted you, so you'll need to unmute yourself. Oh, <laughs> oh sorry. I said absolutely, Chris, yes. Okay, so with that in mind, and this is a simple technique that I learned from, where's the book on my bookshelf? Uh, Discovering the Power of Self-Hypnosis by Dr. Stanley Fisher. It's quite an old book, um, but it was a phenomenal technique. When I say self-hypnosis, I simply mean pretend you're in hypnosis. You don't have to actually do anything special, but decide what your outcome is in advance. So that's the purpose. Decide how long you're going to go into self-hypnosis. That's the duration. And decide what you want to feel like when you come out of self-hypnosis. So that's the feeling. So the acronym that I use is PDF, like a PDF file. Purpose, duration, and how you want to feel when you come out. Once you've got that defined, close your eyes, put yourself into a nice, relaxed state, and start vividly imagining in front of you two screens, one on the left and one on the right. Now, imagine that you're doing certain behaviors, whatever comes to mind, let your unconscious drive them. So your unconscious might present to you, here's Mike writing a blog post or whatever it is. I'm not sure what your business is or what you'd be doing, but have your unconscious, invite your unconscious to present to you for the purposes of almost like entertainment, like a movie of here's Mike doing this particular behavior. And it's not on a screen yet. It's just in front of you. And I want you to then decide consciously, is that a desired behavior for the focus that you're choosing? And if so, put it on the right screen. The right screen is more indicative of the future. We move from left to right, right along a page, for example. If the behavior is a behavior that isn't conducive to the focus that you're looking for, imagine it being plastered on the right, on the left screen, something that is in the past, not useful. It's on the left-hand side. And then just continue to invite your unconscious to present with you scenes of you taking actions or making certain behavior choices and then consciously sorting them left for not useful for this outcome, right for absolutely useful for this outcome. And then just before you come out of trance, whenever your body feels like it's been in trance long enough, just imagine bringing everything from that right screen and hugging it, bringing it right into your body. And then open your eyes and come back to now and notice how amazing you feel. I love that. That's helpful. Thank you, Chris. You're welcome. Wow, that's powerful. And that's PDF. What does that PDF stand for? Purpose, duration, and how you will feel. Feeling. And feeling. Awesome. Thank you so usually, much. Usually, usually the feeling is going to be either wide awake and ready for anything, or if you're doing self-hypnosis for the purpose of going to sleep, it's going to be ready to have a great sleep tonight, something like that. That's awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, this has been a powerful uh, hour and a 20-minute conversation. And Chris, I know that you need to get ready to run here. Um, I'm going to say thank you to Carrie and to Mike for coming up and asking your question. Um, and real quickly, uh, Chris, can you tell people where they can follow you and, and the stuff that you guys got going on? Absolutely. You can find us on our website, which is Mike Mandel with one L M A N D E L hypnosis.com Mike Mandel hypnosis.com. And actually, if you're interested, you can go to Mike Mandel hypnosis.com forward slash castle. We have a free hypnosis track that's called journey to the castle. It's probably the most effective and just amazing trance-inducing, awesome audio track that we've ever put out. So check that out. And on Facebook, you can find us under Mike Mandel Hypnosis on Facebook. That's awesome. And Lori, what about you? Go ahead and promote what you have available as well. Sure. I, I have to start by saying I highly recommend people follow the URL Chris just gave you. 
that is where I took my hypnosis training and it, it, I truly believe that it is the best in the world. So you can learn more about me by going to theimpostermonster.com. You have to make sure you put a the at the start and you can download my free, my free audio called The Answer Room. It is there to help you with business decisions. If there's, you're trying to decide what path to take and you're just feeling overwhelmed by choices, it's a beautiful guided visualization to help you make a choice. And then it, it goes along with my podcast, the, uh, Silence the Imposter Monster, that helps people take action and move forward in their business goals despite the inner critic. That is awesome. Thank you, Lori and Chris, so much. And thanks to Mike Mandel for being a part of this conversation as well. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. Uh, you can find me at cliffravenscraft.com. And for those of you who have just popped into the room recently, or if you popped in any time after the beginning of this conversation, you want to go back and listen to all of this, I encourage you to go to trainwithcliff.com trainwithcliff.com by it is currently 3:18 p.m. by 3:30 p.m. this entire conversation will be online and it will be available for free. I'm not telling you you do not need to sign up for the $10 a month program fee for this uh, audio. You just go to cliff or trainwithcliff.com, click on published episodes or something like our posts or whatever and uh, after within th- by 3:30 p.m. eastern time which is in 12 minutes from right now this entire conversation will be available online for free right there. So there you go. And then uh, Lori, Chris, thank you so much. I'm sure that uh, our paths are going to cross many times. Thank you so much for hosting this and inviting me. And Lori, I, I, I can't say enough good things about Lori. Those of you listening, she's phenomenal. So if you're looking for help with all kinds of things, make sure you reach out to Lori. Awesome. And then just one final note, uh, Friday, January 8th, at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, Friday, January 8th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, I'm doing a session on affiliate marketing, how to create passive income from products and services you've never created yourself. Uh, So you can actually get paid for selling other people's products and services that you believe and trust in. My uh, panel is going to be Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income. Uh, Let's see, we've got Ray Edwards from Ray Edwards International, and I believe I might have one other person joining me on that panel, Mark Mason from Late Night Internet Marketing. These guys are absolute pros in the area of monetizing uh, your uh, online activities, your passions, and how you can just make a suggestion of a great product or service that might benefit you in, in your pursuits of whatever that passion is. And all you have to do is is make a little mention of it and you get an online uh, commission income. It's a really awesome thing. So if you guys are interested in that, Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern time. All right, many blessings. I'm out. Have a wonderful, Thanks, week. wonderful week. Have a great day. Mindset and to man.